podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Possibly bleak as this. Welcome to an episode of Chessie Hour. I am Dan Soft. I am your host. I feel like I haven't hosted for a while. We have um, a two-man pod. So obviously you've got me on, but we've also got one of the... I like talking uh, football with this guy. So we've got Jay. What are you saying, Jay? Yeah, all good, bro. All good. How are you doing? I'm good. I went to the Chelsea match yesterday, um, so it was always good being there. And obviously, people might see it as a dead rubber because we already qualified. So I didn't know whether it was going to be like a gang of kids playing. I didn't know if it was going to be competitive or whatever. Um, but obviously, we won and it was good. I saw a lot of interesting things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good, man. Like, um, Yeah, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed most of the matches as well. I haven't been to one live yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm still waiting to go um, this season at some point. <clears throat> but but yeah, yeah, all good, man. Can't complain. Yeah, well, we, we need to go together as well. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of interesting things to talk about today. I think let's start with what's fresh, which was the match yesterday. So we played Dinamo Zagreb. Again, like I just said, we already qualified. Um, didn't know what Potter was going to be doing in terms of is it time to play kids, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. He's still a new manager. He still has to figure out the people that he can depend on. And if there's one person that kind of came in to show that it wasn't necessarily the most competitive game, it's Dennis Zakaria, which is an interesting story. Chelsea fans, we know that actually Tuchel brought him in, but even though Tuchel brought him in, Tuchel didn't use him. And so when Potter comes in, it's like, okay, is he even going to play? Because Potter doesn't even bring him in. But um, And I know a lot of people have been calling to see him because, look, um, we all know there's a lot of people that don't like the, the makeup of the Chelsea midfield. Forget about the number of midfielders we have. Um, a lot of people feel like we're too soft in midfield or we don't have people with the right physicality, the aggression. And I think Dennis Zakaria seemed like one of those rush moves towards the end. It was a, It's a loan too, so I think it's fine. But it seemed like um, at that point, uh, we started the season a bit shaky and it looked like we might need numbers in midfield. Maybe Conor Gallagher was supposed to be that guy for Tuchel and he was like, actually, can I trust him deeper? So then we went out and got Dennis Zakaria and we just haven't seen him since. So with all of that being said, and I just have to say it because someone might be listening to this two years later, they don't know the context. I know Chelsea fans, you know your Chelsea fans, but I just thought, let me lay that scene now. And then over to you, Jay. Um, Dennis Zakaria, so did you watch him before he came to Chelsea in any matches? Nope, I didn't. I think I think I, I think um, I remember Joe ages ago telling yeah. me about him, and yeah. I probably uh, knowing myself, I probably just watched like a clip maybe of yeah. him, like at, yeah. at, at, at um, Gladbach yeah. back in the day. But but um, nah, not not really. And 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 I and I'd be lying if I said as well, like I knew what his best position was, or I knew what his strengths were, anything like that. To be honest. And this is why I said I like talking football with you because I just like authenticity. And I, know, I like as simple as 
I don't know is sometimes it seems like a harder sentence for a lot of football fans to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then in Zakaria, actually, um, so Joe Tweeds, Tweeds uh, used to be on the pod. Um, he's doing another pod now. Um, but yeah, he was big on him because again, Joe Tweeds, again, he was one of those people saying, actually, I feel like, you know, everybody sees football differently. And I'm not one to criticise because you have a different point of view, because I think there's one more than one way to skin a cat. And um, there's a big kind of section of the Chelsea support that believe that actually we've been missing, I guess, like maybe an Essien type. Um, and Dennis Zakaria is one of these people that was identified as well, but he had a long-term injury. Um, and so he seems like one of these people that was hyped up as someone that could be that guy to be the enforcer for, um, in, the, in the midfield like ours. But since the injury that it's kind of the hype has died down. But so this is a speculative thing, just like Saul Niguez was a speculative thing um, last season. And on the first, it's good that you didn't really have, you don't really have that much of opinion. So after mm. watching one game with him, what do you think of him now? Uh, to be fair, so in terms of like his game in general, like that, I think, I think he actually done really well. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the things I was impressed with mostly was probably like his his strength on the ball. Like a lot of the time, you, you see like two, three players trying to get the ball off of him, and he's like, he's literally holding like two, there's like guys holding him, and he's still yeah. trying to kind of roll them or get away from them, and, and he's and he's kept the ball as well. Yeah, I think there's sometimes you've got players that do that, but it looks yeah. really messy. Yeah, but with him, I still felt like he had control. Um, he seems like a, an okay dribbler as well, like in terms yeah. of a ball carrier. I'm not a dribbler, but like a, a ball carrier in terms yeah. of just getting you up the pitch, which which I think is something that um, I don't like. I feel like not a lot of people speak about how much Kante does that for us, but like yeah. um, that's also something that we've missed, like that kind of like high, that high energy and like you know strength going forward, like ball yeah. carrying the ball and that. So I think um, that was good, and then. There was little things as well that I saw from him. Like, I think yesterday, uh, Kulubali came out to rush. You know how he, he's really front-footed, Kulubali, yeah. so like, he really likes to get in the defend, like the attacker's face or yeah. the midfielder's face and stop them from turning or, or playing a pass. And he's gone to go and like press them. Yeah. And then I've just seen Zakaria just like, just drop in to the centre-back position. Okay. yeah. And, and I was like, oh, okay. that's interesting. Like, because... I feel like Kovacic, like Georgie, Georgie um, tends to do that quite a bit in terms of dropping in positions. He's really clever at doing that. Yeah. Um, obviously, in terms of how quick he gets there, that's another like that's another yeah. conversation because we all know how slow Georgie is at times. Yeah. But with Zakari, like with Zakari, I just felt like he just he, he just dropped in there. He noticed the danger. Nothing yeah. came of it, but it was just the fact that he did that. And I thought to myself, all right, cool, maybe, maybe. He does have something to offer, yeah. Um, in this midfield, because I don't want to go too, too. Uh, yeah, we're just... I don't want to get too carried away with with the game, because I know yeah. it was obviously a lesser opposition, and and you know in the Premier League it might be very different when you've got two, three guys running off of you. So yeah, well, what's interesting is that I don't know too much about Niba, but I know I've heard people talk about him, and um, I've heard he's very flexible. So he's actually played at centre back. I've heard that mm. you can see him anyway. So it's not like, you know what I'm saying? So the fact that you notice him dropping into centre-back, he's played there. And it, yeah. And so um, do you want to see more of him? I, you know what? I, I, I do. And not there's many reasons why I do as well. I think the, the obvious reason is obviously the, the issue that we have in midfield at the moment with no Kante for a very long time. Yeah. I think 
Um, nobody's saying that he's going to be as good as, as, as somebody like Kante is. If he was, that would be amazing. But I think it's very unlikely, just pure, just down to the fact that, you know, Kante is Kante, in it? But um, I, I think I just want to see what he's like with four or five games under his belt. Because I think a lot of people might have been quick to say yesterday, oh, but it was, you know, it was a dead game and the opposition wasn't so good. But then at the same time, you could also say, like, what does this guy look like with five, six games under his belt? Yeah. What does he look like yeah. with more fitness? What does he look like when he gets to know the players a little bit more? Yeah. Do you understand? So, I don't know. There's there's, there's room for, for, for improvement for him in the squad as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely would like to see it. Okay, I'll give you, so I'll give you my opinion on him. I think he started shaky and I feel like sometimes you have to, as a new sign, you have to win um, people people over. So mm. I think he must have misplaced the pass and people thinking, okay, this is why he wasn't starting. But mm. he, he grew into the game and I think um, the aggression, um, it's like the res- there's a thing I've been talking about with Ruben Loftus-Cheek and it's not necessarily a bad thing because I don't like to kill players for not being perfect. Um no, there's, some, there's certain players that are just driven by maybe being a goal scorer, and that's why they shoot a lot. There's some people that are driven because they want to be in the final ball maker, so they're just constantly trying to force the final ball, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some players, like, as a midfielder, there's some players that are more attacking. There's some players that have the kind of, like, spidey sense for when danger's happening, like you said with Zakaria, and him dropping into those kind of situations. And I think... What I like about Zakaria is he has the spidey sense, the defensive spidey sense. And not just that example that you mentioned, but also it's like when the other, like when Dino and Zagreb, who, by the way, you said lower opposition, but it caused us issues. And yep, yep, exactly. And when he noticed issues with urgency, he'd get back and firefight. He's a firefighter. Um, and like you said, not only is he a firefighter, but he does have acceleration. He is, you know, strong and stuff like that so I like that I like the firefighting part of the game and look the midfield is a midfield battle like I'm it seems like there's this civil war and there's two school of thoughts and it's like all this kind of pace and power and strength and in in the Premier League today you need to have all of this physical ability etc etc and there's the other side that loves a beautiful game and it's finesse and technicality and I'm just, I'm an individual. So, and I'm not trying to say one side's wrong or the other, because I think most things is a mix anyway. And I think, yeah, yeah and I think with um, Dennis, what I liked about him, like, technical quality comes into it too. And so he he does have technical quality. He does kind of have some um, calmness and assuredness. I think when, one thing I liked about Mikel is, that like he looked gargantuan when he was like whenever you watch him live like three or four players could be around him and he'd hold them off but he'd also have that finesse and that technique yeah. and I'm not saying that Zakaria has that because I didn't see like that what I uh, what I see in Mikel just that there, there but he has a little bit of it so I won't say it's to the level but also what I really liked about Zakaria um, is and I think what happened is in the second half we were winning. So it means that Dinamo Zagreb had to... Go for it a little bit. Yeah. They had to go for it a little bit. And what that into Europa, I think. Yeah, exactly. And what, and what that meant is that um, Oba, because before they were sitting back, et cetera, et cetera, but because they, they had to go for it, that meant Oba had more space on the left. And I think mm-hmm. the formation we kind of played, it was Sterling on the right and Oba on the left. And then Havertz was almost like a 10-stroke striker. and. Yeah. What what that meant, Zakaria, when he got the ball, like a lot of the time, sometimes when you watch football, like people take the easy 
pass too often. And like, even like a pass out to Oba doesn't even look that risky. But I see some people thinking, oh wait, it might, they might cut out and they don't make the pass. But what I liked about Zakaria is that he would get the ball to Oba quick and that allowed him to make a couple of breaks. Do you know what I'm saying? Because football is such a game where it's like, you need to get like, it's, you need to get the, um, the ball to these players quick because the space will be yes. you don't do it quickly. And I think yeah. I like the audacity from him. And to be fair, I say audacity, but really and truly, like that pass, I feel like professional football players should believe in their wave a bit more and make that pass a bit more often because I don't think it's that difficult a pass. But I see so many people shy out and just pass it sideways. But I think that he got it to Oba quick a couple of times when they were spacing behind and that allowed Oba to have a better game in than in the first half. Because there was space there, but also yeah. being there that was getting the ball out to him quick. I think that comes to ha- down to habits as well. Like with with our squad recently and with our style of play, Tuchel was much more patient, and he had and he had a lot of faith in the players to kind of pass it around, pop it about a bit, and then find the gaps. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily a lot of people used to look at it as a bad thing. I never used to look at it as a bad thing. I just used to always know that Tuchel knows his players. He knows. He knows who's capable of like playing the passes through and this and that. So he would just work his way into the final third very slowly, yes. sometimes quick, but 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 majority of the time it was like quite slow. But it was more to do with like kind of like just picking a lock. And I think that was kind of more like Tuchel's way of doing things, especially like leading up to the attack. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, I've said it before, a lot of the time our quality in front of goal just let us down. Mm-hmm. Um, but with uh, with with Potter, I think one of the early things that I've realised is that there'll be times where he wants it to be calm and 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 you know he wants to keep possession, but then there's also times where he really wants them to be a little bit more vertical with their passes and and really kind of get it to the fullbacks or wingbacks quicker, get it to the strikers quicker. Because if you looked at George, um, we'll get to Jorginho because I think he was he was another one that was like really really good yesterday, and and he, and I think that's been the theme yeah. with him under Potter in general, to be honest. Um, and even Tuchel as well. But, like, he played so many forward passes, like, in the first, um, I think it was, like, first maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, he played one to, I think he played, like, a couple to Mount. He played one to um, to, to Oba for the goal, to, um, for Sterling's goal. Um, and, yeah, he just he, he just seemed to be getting set up a lot yesterday and just, like, spraying it forward, like, really quickly. Yeah. So, um, so again, I think, I think, I think they both had that instruction, like to just get the ball to to those guys in wide areas as well, especially. Yeah, yeah uh, it's quite good to watch. Yeah, because when it comes down to it, um, and we saw when Brozier came on as well, he he um, took up a wider position, and Oba and Sterling, they're not slow. Do you know what I'm saying? So it, not at all. Yeah. The game plan was to get it to the wide players and then take advantage when there was space. But I like I can't I can't lie. Um, so we've spoken about before, like with Jorginho, a lot of the times when he's making these passes, it's not like everybody complains, oh, it's a sideways pass and stuff like that. But he he makes vertical passes, even when you just look at the stats, like he, like, and this is not just a, a Potter thing, he, uh, he passes it forward in a lot, lot yeah. of yeah. In terms of proportion, he passes it more forward than a lot of people that people say, oh, we need to get rid of this person and bring in this person because we need them to be more daring. Then you look at the stats and it's actually, actually, Jorginho passes it forward more proportionally than they do. But I, I think, um, and we're, obviously this is not specifically focused on Jorginho at this point, but I think with Zakaria, I don't necessarily think it was like a Potter thing or anything like that. I just think it's just the way that the game panned out, like, and mm. and who Zakaria is. Because mm. other players might not 
be able to maybe they don't have the even the facilities to make the passes so it was good to see that because some of the passes were just it was between two men so a lot of people don't like to make that pass between two different players because it means that there's two different people people that can cut it short um and it, yeah and he had the daringness to do it and it, it got through a couple of times and i and i like that and i think Zach, you, he obviously you make a good point as well yeah. though, about the, the style of play as well because i think Kovacic what he does and, and this is quite important as well if you're making these passes is that sometimes Kovacic might use two or three seconds to do a dribble yeah and by the time, and by the time he finishes the dribble really and truly the pass is no longer there because because yeah. the, the left winger whoever's left wing he's made the run yeah. the closer he gets to the defender the the, the less this, the space just starts to close down yeah. it just starts to close up so you can no longer make a pass and I think yeah. that's it's a good point that you, you mentioned like you know just who he is because we have different profiles that we all know, like Kovacic is a dribbler. Loftus-Cheek is probably more of a dribbler. Jorginho, kind of like a bit of, more of obviously the passer. And then you've got, um, you've got Zakaria, who, who looks to have quite a decent balance at the moment. Yeah. And, and what was interesting as well, talking about the midfield, because um, it seemed like we were playing like a, a version of 4-3-3. So we have spoken about Jorginho, so we might as well get on to Jorginho. Yeah, but a lot of times with Sari, obviously Sari works with him at Napoli, um, and people say go to a double pivot, and they were saying actually you'll get more forward passes from Jorginho when he's got two central midfielders in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. And so it did seem like Mount and Zakaria kind of flagged Jorginho, um, and so maybe that's one of the reasons why he's just able to pass it forward because there's just more options. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kind mm-hmm. Of up. But I think with Jorginho. Um, I think it was immense. <laughs> Do you know what? It was so funny as well. Like aerials, even aerial duels. Jorginho was bossing aerial duels. It was crazy. <laughs> um, it, it, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, just um, obviously the willingness to get on the ball, even just the organisation off the ball, just telling people that constant coaching, on the field coaching that he does. Massive, massive for me at the moment. Massive yeah. part that he plays at the moment on the pitch for me like that. That organisation there, I feel like we lack that so much against Brighton. And, and that's not me saying that, oh, if he plays against Brighton, we don't lose 4-1. But yeah. I think we're so focused on how quick he gets to places or how fast he is or how strong he is. Yeah. And you just need, sometimes you just need to watch him and watch the areas that he picks up, watch the positions that he picks up, because he did it against Dynamo yesterday. Yeah. And, he, um, he was nicking the ball all over the joint from them. He was nicking yeah. And don't forget, this is what I'm saying. We'll get to that. I think we'll touch on the last game as well. But... Um, we conceded early. And so a lot of people were like, oh, shit, it's going to be another shit game. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? But so it's not like everybody wants to make losses about one person not playing or one person playing, etc. But mm-hmm. but what, <clears throat> what I like about Jorginho and what and this is the thing. And this is what I'll say to people, because uh, like under Tuchel, everyone's like, oh, we play too slow. Do you know, like when people I always say people, we need to play it quicker. We need to play it quicker. We need to play it quicker. Sometimes when you play it quicker, like there's always positives and negatives. If you play it quicker out the back, then there's going to be more mistakes. And we remember in the last game, there were like and so many quicker. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many mistakes at the beginning, and everyone's like, "Oh," and it's like, "Yeah." If we're playing it quicker, and the other team are going to put three men on the back, then it's going to be difficult. And so sometimes it's like, "Oh, why are we playing it slow and methodically and stuff like that?" But then that's probably because at that game state, you just want to control it and you just want to almost show them that yeah everything you're trying in terms of pressing we can handle that and that's why game yeah. it's not always play quick play quick because sometimes it's like actually 
we don't want to take these risks because we you can see what happens when you always play it quick. Um, yeah. And, and 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 another thing that I'll just quickly mention. So I'm not watching. I want to caveat that. So I'm not watching Lazio, but I know that um, Sari obviously he didn't last that long at Chelsea because he lasted the season. I think towards the end anyway. I think there was definitely an improvement um, in terms of actual style of play because everyone was criticizing sorry ball sorry ball where is this sorry ball um and i know at juventus as well um he he did well and then everybody was saying oh he didn't do that well but then perlo came in and then it was almost like okay this juventus job isn't easy because you, you know what i'm saying you you've seen a manager that has come in and they're not doing as well and, and juventus right now as well they're not really looking too good and only i was going to say you you went in there when they started to drop off generally as a club so, exactly. so um, you know, I think you just have to add a lot of context when you're looking at certain situations, especially right. with teams and managers and stuff. Exactly. And so my point is that Lazio, um, obviously, sorry, he, like he's been there at least two seasons now. Usually he only lasts a season at a club before something happens, he moves on. And I think before it was more about progression, whereas actually he stayed at a club and then actually someone else came calling. But at Chelsea, obviously, things kind of, didn't work out, Juventus things didn't work out, but now he's at Lazio, and the reason why I'm talking about him is because, allegedly, and again, I'm not watching, but the football that Lazio are playing is amazing now, and my thing is, it's like, we, we've all been in a situation where we're learning, whether you're playing, the, learning to play the piano, or you're learning to play the new FIFA, or whatever, like, at first, you're looking down, you're looking down at the buttons, because you're trying to learn, so everything can't be quick, because you're, you know, you can't be button bashing. You're going to be trying to learn. So everything has to be a thought thing. So when you're yeah. trying to do something at first, it's going to be a bit slower because otherwise you'll just make mad mistakes. But then the more you do it, then the quicker you can come. And now you're not even looking down at the pad or the piano. And now you could just play these passes without thinking. And I think too many times at Chelsea, what we, we expect too much too quick. If you want our team to play quickly, then you have to give them time as a team to develop that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and, and I think it, like like you said, we'll probably touch on um, on the game, on the game in league in the league a little bit um, later on. But like um, even like watching them against us, yeah. and people were saying you know like praising praising Brighton about you know their style of play and and how how good they're playing at the moment and how good their football is. This this comes like Potter mentioned what what is going to take with us. Do you understand? Like in terms of if you want us to get to the level that you're seeing, you know, the Brighton team play their football and and not just Brighton, but like even any top team playing really good football. Yeah. He's like, if you want to see that, <laughs> you're gonna need to to handle this pain with me because yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day, Brighton their, their good habits come from three years of coaching. Yeah. three years of coaching yeah. and people will be like oh but we're not going to wait three years no problem don't wait three years you don't we're nobody saying it's going to take three years either but the the, the point is you, you you can say all you want you don't want to wait or you don't want to have to um, watch these mistakes or you don't want to have to watch these experiments that he's doing but there is like you said in life in general anything that you do there is no fast track there is no fast track to getting a perfect like you know like the perfect um outcome do you understand right it's always going to take time so right. i think and, just and, be patient. And, and i think with chelsea fans we've seen so many managers come in and then win the league straight away mm. and 
I think what, what the difference is there is what are you trying to build? Because a lot of these managers that have just come in and have won the league, they're not trying to build the quick, like amazing, beautiful football. They're just pragmatic and doing whatever they can to win. Whereas a lot of people are saying, I want to see this quick football. I want to see this quick football. Are you ready for it? Because that means a lot of mistakes. It, may, it yeah. means mistakes. And yeah. so, and I've seen Chelsea after a loss. And I just feel like a lot of these people that want all of this quickness, are you even ready for it? But yeah, so that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we've touched on Jorginho and Zakaria um, in terms of the Dinamo Zagreb game. Um, well, let's touch on Mount. And I think it was so interesting because um, Mount, I think Mount got man of the match. And let me see what he said. Uh, it was so funny that what he said. He said that um, the lads have been bantering me because the last couple of games I've got man of the match and they don't think I deserved it. Um, but he, he goes, hasn't. But he hasn't. But he said. But he goes. Actually, I got man of the match today, and today I don't think I deserve it. So I think what's interesting is that that's Mount being vocally open about um, his form in general. Yeah. Well, not just his form. Like we know. I feel like. Maybe it's unspoken, maybe it's just accepted, but we all know that actually Mason Mount is almost like um it's almost like a conduit for the fans, the, the general to or typical Chelsea fan on the pitch. So like they've got a special relationship. As soon as he comes out, they'll clap the fans. Um it's almost like he's like I think as well, being there yesterday, um watching the Dinamo Zagreb fans and their I know they're the away fans anyway, and I know they're playing Chelsea, so this isn't a typical match for them. But obviously, they're loud from the beginning to the end. Pyrotechnics, they've got all of these kind of like synchronised hand claps and stuff like that, and they're doing it all the way throughout the game. Whereas a Chelsea game, when you go to a Chelsea game, it's almost like there's that relationship in terms of, it's almost like Chelsea Chelsea fans are stush. Do you like a girl's that are stush? It's like, oh, wait, oh, you can't get my number. You can't get my number. I'm not going to come get your number. But Chelsea fans are stush. Do you know what I'm saying? That the, the 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 players have to do something before the fans react. They're sitting back, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah make, make me get up and shout. Do you know what I'm saying? So Chelsea fans are stush, right? And what wh- the reason why I'm saying that is Mount knows how to push the right buttons for the Chelsea fans, whether it's going in for a tackle. Do you know what I'm saying? And Unnecessary push on a player. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. What so, saying. so he, James, James does that as well. Yeah, James, James does exactly the same stuff as well. Like James and, just randomly start bullying someone for no reason. Right, and so he embodies because a lot of these, especially like the the history of the Chelsea fans as well. Like I say, like <coughs> my bad. Um, a lot of Chelsea fans, people like watch football for different reasons. Some people kind of want to see that kind of fight. Do you know what I'm saying? And they don't yeah. want. Because the fact the players are supposed to represent the fans, and so they don't want to be seen as soft, and so they want to see this fight and like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so I think Mount kind of gives that to the fact like he kind of instigates that relationship because fans are the top man. I'm sorry, they are the top man, and I think part of the reason why Dinamo Zagreb played well is because their fans were continually cheering them on. Whereas with the interesting, it's yeah. interesting you say that as well, like about what what, what gets the fans going opposing. I feel like with Kai Havertz, when Kai when Kai is not been playing well, or he's not really having a great great game, and they're on him, he seems to just pull out this really nasty side where he's just flying into challenges like a little bit late on purpose, almost like he's you know I remember I remember in the Tottenham game like he, he wasn't having a great great game, he played okay, but he was really really up for it like in terms of physically, in terms of just like being aggressive so I, I do agree like there's these things that 
players do that relate more to the Chelsea fans than yeah, but you know, than like a beautiful pass or this and that, and you know, some some Chelsea fans they'll see stuff like that and not really react. And it's, what's, it's odd. what's interesting is that I think bringing up Kai is a good point because I feel like even with Kai at this point, he can try and do those things, but he might not get the same response as mm, Mount. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there's loads of things that come to relationship, but I think with Mount yesterday, um, I saw moments of class moments of class from him um definitely and it's not just him go sliding into tackles etc there were moments of just like um low center of gravity kind of like you know uh, agility and all of that type of stuff so actually like balling technicality type things and he has got that side to his game so there were moments of class from him um and then again i think at the beginning of the game sometimes look football is momentum and it's emotions and just in any sort of game, you'll see it. Like for about 10 minutes, it feels like it's Chelsea's game and Chelsea are dominating. Then it's like yeah. minutes where it's Dinamo's game. And so in, in terms of the momentum, at that time when it's not in your kind of momentum, you have to try to fight to get it back into your momentum because during their momentum, <laughs> like, there's no goal, right? And I think with Mount, um, what they appreciate about Mount and I think what Chelsea fans should appreciate about Mount is when things are going against the grain, he's doing as much as possible to try to turn it back to our momentum. And so, whereas a lot of people just reduce the game to stats and they look at, okay, cool. He did score a goal, he didn't get an assist. Um, look at all of these passes mis misplaced, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think yesterday he was a positive influence to Chelsea because there were times where actually Dina Mozagreb were controlling the game. And I think that he was being annoying to them. And he was making them chase down and making sure it wasn't comfortable for them. And I think that's what and that's what Zachariah was doing as well. And I think that's what people appreciate. And so, yeah, anything else on Mount? Yeah, no, I think um, it was important for him to play decent yesterday. I think um, the last two games hadn't been that great from him again. And I felt like I was seeing a little bit more of like the earlier form, closer to like in terms of his performances recently. So the last few games, because I think like he's been on the score sheet, and again it goes back to that thing of me, like with me and personally with me and how I look at Mount, I, I'm just for me right now what's most important is the, was the all round performance from him in terms of that that level of quality that we we're used to getting from him in games where we we do dominate and we win. I think like Mount is often a big part of that, yeah. um, especially like when he's playing at that level. And at the moment, for me, numbers are, of course, they're always important because they win you games. But um, at this point now, where we are now as a team, yeah. I just need Mount to give like quality performances. Yeah. Do you understand? Because I think it like it it um it gives so much to the team in terms of when he does play that well. Yeah. So and it helps others. Do you understand? And, and and he's also quite infectious. Like, we talk about how infectious he is with the crowd. Yeah. I think that Mount is also one of those players that's really infectious with um, the players as well. Yeah, I think when the, when the players see him doing certain things, yeah. I feel like they they then want to get involved. I think Kai is really close to Mount now as well. Yeah. So it's, you've got a good chance of, you know, if them two are kind of connecting on the pitch, you're probably going to have a good day. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. little things like that, I just think are, are important at the moment, more so than getting on the score sheet and as happy as I am that he gets on the score sheet and he, and he gets an assist and this and that, you know, already like for us at the moment as, as Chelsea fans, we want to see a high level performance consistently, yeah. which is something we haven't been used to for a while. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. All right. Yeah. 
let's let's get on to the the rest of the performances, and I wanna I don't want to kind of dwell on the game this game too much because I think there's some wider things that we want to get to as well. But um, obviously, Chilwell got injured. Um, but before I talk about the injury, just in terms of his game, do you have any thoughts around it? Uh, I, I think I just saw him, his old self, like yeah. making a lot of forward runs, getting beyond the, the, the defenders, like trying to get in behind. He, like his off-the-ball movement has always been good. I, I think that's that's his main strength, if I'm being honest. Like his off-the-ball runs in behind, the late runs in behind. And when and when the service is good, he's, he's quite threatening. Yeah. Um, he still looks like he's getting back to it, though. I think like, you can you can clearly see he's been out for a long time, and I, I just think Potter's doing really well in terms of managing him as well. Up until like obviously that injury yesterday, yeah. I think like the minutes that he'd been getting, I think he, the manager's showing a bit of confidence in him, pretty much telling him like you know you're you're not just phased out because of our sixty million pound signing in Cucurella. Do you know what I mean? Like you're you're very much like a part of this team. So I think mentally, I think he's okay. I think it's just he's been unlucky with the injury yesterday. To be fair. I think for me, I like Chilwell um, in terms of, I think he's a likeable guy. I, I just think like he's got a likability to him. Um, in terms of the actual, the football, um, I don't think he's, I feel like everybody has different opinions. I don't think he's necessarily as good as a lot of the kind of opinions that I hear in terms of the game specifically yesterday. Uh, mm. What I liked about him is he did try. Do you know, sometimes when there was space, he would run into the space with the ball. At least that way, it's almost like okay. If I at least run as far as I can, then then I can turn back and at least now the game is in their half rather than in our half. So he would eat up space. Um, I think that was good. Um, does he have the quality to when he's there, then just do something mad by himself? No, but no. then expect that he's a fullback and he's not necessarily an attacker. And even I think in a second sense, he does have some good things. So like one thing I liked about one thing, when I watch the football match, I don't want to watch a football match and just feel like I can watch any, like I can't just be watching the Chelsea Hour lads play. And I've, sometimes when you're watching football, everybody's making these passes that everybody expects people to make. And really and truly, when we want to watch football at the highest level, we want to say, show me something that no one else is going to do. And I feel like one thing that uh, about Chilwell, a couple of times when he got, maybe second half, um, when he got into the box, rather than just doing what was expected, he'd do a little kind of turn or, do you know what I'm saying? Just some, some yeah. sort of ingenuity, um, which I appreciated. And I think him and Obok were combining well on that left side as well. Um, so yeah, he had, he does have something. I do feel like there's, for me, there's room for improvement. But what I like about him is that he's got a good shot on him. Um, he's not slow, do you know what I'm saying? So he's got a lot of good, I feel like good qualities to his game, but I still feel like no, you need a level above. Yeah, yeah not necessarily. But look, not every position has to be the, the best player in the world in each position. And I think that's kind of what Chelsea fans try to do. But we've mm. never had that. Like, when we won the league with Conte, Moses wasn't the best wing-back in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? And so just because you can improve on a position doesn't mean you have to improve on a position. And I think... To be honest, you could have the same level. I think, to be honest, you could have the same level of player as a Chilwell, but just with a different... Um, with a different uh, side to his game so obviously like in terms of the level that Chilwell was at Chilwell was at a good level yeah. in terms of a player I think he's at a good level if you get another player that's at a good level but is more of a dribbler and maybe more of a you know he can isolate players and, and 1v1 he's a bit decent or like you know good then I think I think you probably see a lot like you, you probably see 
a lot of a lot more things happen on that left at the moment yeah. because I feel like we've got one guy who's a very direct passer. Yeah. And you know, punches it into the players quickly. Yeah. He's um uh he's very quick at like you know making forward passes and spotting them. And then you've got another guy who's very good off the ball, runs off the ball, yeah. good shot, stuff like that. But we haven't got the one guy that we probably need at the moment <laughs> the most. But, is... but you know where it is? I feel like fullbacks, don't forget, Chihuahua is a fullback. He's not yeah. a left winger. And so the only reason why I want to say this is like everybody expects players to be everything. And so mm-hmm. all I'm saying with Chihuahua is like, yeah, there can be, it might be a thing where, it's, yeah, I'd like to see someone a bit better attacking-wise. But sometimes when you get that attacking player, then people start complaining they're not good enough defensive-wise. And it's like, you can never please people. And I'm saying, with Chilwell, I think he's good enough. I think he's good enough to be playing for Chelsea. But yeah, I'm fair. saying, there were some limitations that I saw, especially when we was attacking. It was like, okay, if we had a bit more, someone with a bit more attacking, you know, now as a prowess on the ball, then we could have made better of the situations. But I'm not, I'm not um, down on Chilwell like that. Um, yeah. So just quickly on Aspi, what do you think about Aspi yesterday? Um, at this point, I'm not even like <laughs> I'm not even bothered about him being here. I'm just like I know he's he is who he is for us as a, in terms of Chelsea Chelsea legend, and and he's been here years, and we all know what Aspi is at his best. But yeah. um, I've just come to it's it's so much harder to accept Aspi playing because I feel sorry for him because the level that James plays at. Yeah. It's so far gone at the moment. Like it's, they, they, I said this to someone the other day. I said, you're never going to be happy about who replaces James. Never. Not at, at this moment in time, right now, everybody will have something to say when James isn't playing. Because the level that he set just before he got injured mm. was ridiculous. Because he was, he, was, he was defending like a top, top defender. Yeah. And then he, he also had people fretting about him going the other way. And he was doing both sides of the game. Yeah. To the to the highest level, so now whenever somebody comes in, it's like what you're just saying just now. Yeah, you can't expect a player to have everything, but yeah. the funny thing is, our right back is that guy. He has everything, yeah. like literally everything. And um, so now when I watch Aspie, I accept that he's not going to be able to do the things Reese James can't do. Um, that Reese James can do. Yeah. Um, I just think I'm just hoping now that maybe the club has looked at it and they say, you know what because James is at such a high level, we can't afford to drop that low a level. Because Aspie hasn't been bad, but again, similar to what you said about Chilwell in terms of there are limitations, but I think Aspie has more... He does. ...bad games in him than, than a Chilwell, for example. I think, I think like, I can watch Chilwell and still expect him, like, obviously, we'll see what, how he gets like, throughout the season because he's coming back from an injury, but, you know, this is Aspie not coming back from anything. Do you know what I mean? He's just, he's ageing a bit. He's rusty, rusty as well, because he's not playing really. Yeah. But what, I think we've seen a lot of Aspie anyway, so we've seen, it's not like one of those ones where it's a young player, it's like, I just want to see yeah, him yeah, yeah. games to see. We, we know what Aspie at a high level has been, and, and look, credit to Aspie, a couple of seasons ago, people were like, just sell him, just sell him, just sell him, but he's had good form in those bits, where it's like, yeah. Aspie, so, um, but I think, what was difficult for me watching last game is I think with Tre- Trevor and Aspie, and I don't know, I don't want to, it's not a blame game type of thing. This is just me watching the game, but I feel like everything was just so predictable on that side. Yeah. When Trevor would get the ball, 
pass it to Aspi, and then Aspi's like, I don't have the facilities to, to do anything but pass it back to Trevor. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, on the right side, that it was so difficult in terms of build up. Like it was everything was just so pedestrian. Um, and, so hard to watch. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, and this is what people need to understand. We have morphed, and I know that we played a four yesterday, but it is still kind of something that kind of switches into a three or whatever. But mm-hmm. defenders naturally are cautious by design because they're at a they're in a place in the pitch where if you make a mistake, and this is why everyone's like, I want to see it quick, 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 quick. Yeah, if you make a mistake by trying something adventurous, and I remember there was a Mount one where Mount he won back the ball or whatever. I just remember he gave it away and then it was quite deep as well. And so they mounted a counter-attack. And this is what I'm saying is like Mount was trying to do something risky. And I'm sure that if that was another player doing it, then the fans would have got on them. But because obviously Mount has a lot of credit in the bank, no one says shit. But the deeper you play, the more risk averse you're going to be. And and you don't necessarily want the most riskiest player unless they're really highly skilled doing things at the back. And so as Piliqueta, centre-back stroke, like right back um i don't expect him to be doing all of this you know crazy risky stuff um and so it is part of the limitations that we just have to accept and i know reese james obviously like he can do both sides of games um the only thing is in terms of this whole drop-off thing like how are we going to find a great backup for reese james it's like the at at spurs like why would anyone come to sit back lamptey he went away, Livermore, all of these guys, they don't want to be in the shadow of Reese James. So we just have to also be understanding as well, because this kind of whole, I feel like Chelsea's become too much of a meat market where rather than people kind of just accepting the players we've got, accepting their positives and negatives and supporting the current team, everybody's got their eye to the future or their eye to the past. They're not living in the present. So it's almost like, oh, the days when we had John Terry, or it's like, oh, let's go and get Leal, where it's like, you're missing the present right now. There's things to win right now. Why can't you just support the team at this point? Yes, when the window opens, you do all that shit, but why not just support the team at this point? Whereas yeah. everyone wants to jump on these players for not being perfect. And it's like, they, a lot of these guys are like, I can understand it if they're not giving it all they can, but a lot of these guys are giving it all they can. And me seeing Dinamo Zagreb fans, lifting their players constantly and what it can do because look without the fans that game could have been Chelsea would have dominated a 4-0 maybe but yeah. fans were the 12th man and I feel like Chelsea are missing a trick we we everyone that's a Chelsea fan regardless of whether you like this player or that player you want the team to win and you want the team to win and I just feel like if Chelsea fans just got behind the team more whilst this team is here forget about who you want and forget about who you liked in the past, then I think that we would be competing at a higher level. And I, I, think, th- I think, I think, I think, you know what? And I think it's mad important. Like we really do need to, I know this is going to sound crazy here because I'm not saying we need to move away from what Roman built in terms of um, us as fans and being winners. Yeah. And it's not Roman's fault how the fans are in my opinion as well. It's not entirely like down to him and you know how he was, but I think, what did happen during that time was when what came with all the uh, the trophies and the success and the trophy every year when like you know we almost went like a trophy almost every year right like on the Roman like we we hardly ever went without and and the problem is with that is that it becomes so focused on on results that when it is time to actually build something 
we don't focus on actually building it and, and, and improving what's in front of us. Mm. And so like you're saying, we start doing that thing where we start to look at who's going, look at who's coming, the next window. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, before you know it, you're in the position that we're in now where we spent three, 400 million and we haven't really moved. Yeah, but... Do you get it? Like we, like we haven't really moved. So, so in, in, in saying that, I just think, not just with the players, with the manager as well, as mm. you mentioned early in the yeah. pod about Potter and, and him trying to do all these new things and, and how he's going to try things. Like, look at Kai, for example. Yeah, I, I put a tweet out not so long about Kai, saying Kai needs to be careful with this run of form that he's got at the moment because with, with players like Liao and Nkunku linked to Chelsea, as hard as they have been, it, it, does, it won't look good for him if he keeps playing like this. Mm. But you see someone like Potter, he's not a fan. He understands football. He understands players are going to have bad patches. Yeah. And that's one one player that I'm, I've been impressed with in terms of how he's handled his fought his bad form and how Potter has handled him. Let's, yeah, but let's rein it in. Let's rein it in. Well, we're just going to finish on the defenders and we're going to get to attack. Yeah. But, but you mentioned some good points that we definitely need to touch on, um, especially when it comes to attack. But yeah, like I feel like it would be good if fans were more in the present rather than just, oh, because... I, and we'll get back to defenders now, but I think I love the I love the transfer ban era because the transfer ban era everybody just understood. No one else is coming. Yeah, I, I feel for I feel for one of those now. Yeah, but this but what I'm saying when people know no one else is going to come in, forget about all your your plans about you wanted Pepe and stuff like that because that I think that was Injovic because those were the players that are supposed to come in and do everything. Everybody just said, okay, cool. These are the players we've got. Let's let's ride with these players. And I think the same kind of thing happened when Tuchel came in and, you know, there was all like, Rice and let's get this player in. Tuchel just came and said, look, fuck all that. Let's, this is the players we've got now. Let's all, everybody get behind this. And I think kind of what undone Lampard, if we remember, as soon as the January transfer window started to come, like we started to fall. Don't forget, Lampard talks about it a lot. It was like, everything was going well, everything was going well. And all of a sudden it started to fall apart. What started happening is Lampard started to do these interviews about, okay, cool, we, we need to push forward, we need to push forward, we need to get... And what happens is, even with the players, at, at time they had, okay, this is us, we're all fighting. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm replaceable. And it's like, yeah. and I feel like it's the same thing with Tuchel as well. Like, like these players, when it comes down to it, you don't want them to feel like they're replaceable. Um, and I just, I feel like when we've done our best, We've kind of created a group where it's like well, no one's focusing on about let's go get this player, let's go get this player. Everybody's just supporting. The whole club is unified and just supporting who we have at that point. And I feel like whenever we've kind of gone away from that, that's when we've started to lose our source. Um, but yeah, so um, so we talked about uh, Aspi and, and, and Trevor. And I just a quick shout out to Kulabali. I think Kulabali was dominating. Um, in the first half, I think he was dominating. He did have a rash tackle, but I think that he done so much good work. And I feel like a good I, what I like about Kulabali is some of the touches that he'd make. So when a ball would come, and it's like, oh shit, this can go wrong. But he'd make a touch, and it would just simplify the whole situation. Yeah, uh, and I really appreciated that from Kulabali. And then Mendy, any anything from Mendy before we get to attack? Um, relatively quiet game, to be honest. I think I saw a few people try and say something about the goal, but. Um, when you're that close to the goal, there's no point even commenting on, on whether a keeper should save it or not, to be honest with you. 
Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's a bit silly. It's just, it's just this thing of Kepper and Mendy at the moment, and That's whenever what, something happens, people are just yeah. going to say something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and this is this is what I'm saying. And I don't think I've been on a pod since I did the Kepper tweet, which was with Alec. I, we've spoken about it, Jay, ourselves, but I did tweet. I didn't expect to get a reaction. I know a lot of people saying, oh, you just tweet because you want reactions. And I'm like, I don't get paid in reactions. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't give a shit about that reactions. But I didn't expect that tweet to to cause the the um, kerfuffle that it did. I can't even remember the complete contents of the tweet. But I can, no, I can it's just about, it. It's just about confidence. Can, keep yeah, it, really. I, yeah, I can explain it. Um, because one thing about Twitter is... Obviously, like you say something and you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily fully, you know, say the whole thing. And then so people might run with it and you're like, oh my God, you're trying to say that Kepa was world class and whatever. And I I didn't say that. So essentially, (laughs) my my thing was this. My thing was this. I feel like um, if we look at what happened under Lampard in that season, uh, we conceded about 55 goals, which was a very terrible Chelsea standard. And um, I remember we conceded around about that in that Mourinho season where it almost felt like we would get relegated. And that's how bad it was defensively. And um, if you remember on the Lampard, there was a lot of chopping and changing in terms of defensive, in terms of the defensive lineup. But if we also remember, before Tuchel came in, nobody wanted to see, like uh, that, um, that, defen- that season was in 1920 under Lampard was so bad defensively that nobody wanted to see Kepper again play because they just saw him as a liability. Nobody wanted to see Rudiger play again. Nobody wanted. Ke- Kepper to see- was six feet under me. Like, this, he was this literally what six feet under. No, nobody wanted to see Christensen play, Rudiger play, Aspi play. Nobody. All of these players, they said, you can't have a functioning defense with any of these players playing. But yeah. what happened was um, when Tuchel came in. Rudiger started to play regularly and people realised, actually, you can have a functioning defence with Rudiger playing. Rudiger, who now has finished in the Ballon d'Or, like, he, you know what I'm saying? He's now seen as one of the best defenders in the world. At yeah. that point, people were saying, he's the worst defender ever. People were saying, praising isolation. He's a bad defender. Even if, if he does things good, he's a bad defender. We've seen enough. We've seen enough. And people were saying with Christensen as well, there's no way. And it's not just... I think we've even said it as well. Do you know what I'm saying? So all I was was saying is a lot of these players that after that season, because it was so terribly defensively, a lot of these players got to show with regular football that actually there's redemption and that it wasn't all on them. And I said that Kepa hasn't had that chance yet of regular football. And so whereas the rest of them was able to wash off that stink from that season, I was saying that, this is good for Kepa because currently Kepa still has that where people think that if he's playing, then therefore we're going to lose because he's just so bad. And so that was kind of what I was saying in a tweet. And I was saying that even Lampard in a press conference, he was like saying, if you look at it, well, the shots that we were we had, we didn't concede that many shots, but look at all the goals we were conceding. But I was like, yeah, but it depends on the quality of shots that, do you know what I'm saying? And I was like, I didn't really respect that from Lampard. I was saying that actually, um, even under Tuchel, Kepa came in and he showed that he's not the worst goalkeeper ever. And we've seen it, um, not just with Kepa, but we've seen it with Courtois when Courtois was at Chelsea. People would make out like he's the worst goalkeeper ever. And now he's yeah. the best in the world. Aaron Ramsdale at Arsenal, everyone, when, when a team's going through stink, yes, the goalkeeper is going to get the heat. They try to make out like he's the worst goalkeeper ever. And again, none of this is me saying even Aaron Ramsdale is the best or whatever. But 
what I was trying to say is that we've seen it before. And I think the, what I was saying now, people trying to say, I'm in Kepler's camp or whatever. Mendy's the same thing. Like Mendy right now, now they're trying to make out like he's the worst ever or like he, we need to replace him. We need to find a goalkeeper. All I'm saying is this, we get this new goalkeeper. What is the likelihood that whenever we go through a bad patch, he's going to get all the blame as well? Because that's what you've done consistently. Courtois, snake, worst goalkeeper ever. And, and, and he's shown that he's not that. Um, you try and do it to Mendy, even with Kepa. And it's not like I'm not even saying, like all of these players will have their strengths and weaknesses. But I'm just saying you guys always love to, you, you understand what I'm saying at this point. And I was just saying that Kepa deserved the chance at redemption because this that was his first stretch of games where he was actually given the regular spot. And I think now, like the, the few games after, like I think some people had to eat humble pie because they made out what, like what I was saying was ridiculous. And Kepa went on and just went on to show that actually he's not as bad as they thought, as they said he was. Yeah, I think the simple thing for me as well is that confidence is a massive thing in the game. Whether you want to hear that or not, whether you whether you're not into the whole mental part of the game or not, confidence is a massive part of the game. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale's confidence would have been in the gutter when he was with, I think, is it Sheffield United? Yeah, it would have been in the gutter. Yeah. Like he's come to Arsenal, he's had you know a run of good games, he's playing well. The coach values a part of his game that that really helps the team in in his in you know his footwork and and how good he is with the ball at his feet. All of a sudden now his confidence is through the roof and he's he look he looked like a decent keeper. Yeah. The fact is as well, a lot of keepers are making mistakes in the league. It's not just Kepa, it's not just Mendy. Yeah, cool. Mendy's had a really bad patch. Nobody's nobody's denied that. Yeah. But the the whole Kepa thing and when he came in and what people are trying to say about Kepa is a bit weird because not only did Kepa come in and actually prove them wrong in having like really good um displays where he's actually made really good saves as well and kept yeah. us in in the game or, or made sure that we've won the game or whatever or just made sure we've got a clean sheet yeah. but there's a part of his game that Potter values in his kicking as well yeah. like people can say what they want to say about his kicking but it, it at the moment it does seem to look like it is better than Mendy's game like in terms of whose game is better at the moment it yeah. does seem to look like Kepa's part of, part of um, his game at the moment looks, yeah. looks better than Mendy's isn't it with yeah. his feet yeah. Whether Mendy improves or not, we'll wait and see because yeah. Mendy's going to have to do the same thing that Kepa did. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to sit there. He's going to have to train. He's going to have to, you know, remain strong mentally. And and when he's get a chance to come in, he'll come in. But what Potter's not going to do is he's not going to banish Mendy and yeah. say, oh, we, we can upgrade on the keepers or, you yeah. know, we'll be looking at keepers in the summer. Or, do you know, because that kind of stuff there. And, you know, just like, you don't even have to say it directly like that yeah. but as soon as you start hinting that you are looking for somebody else in that position yeah don't expect those guys to go through the wall for you do you understand it's, like don't don't be surprised if there's a drop-off yeah and this is this is kind of what i was saying where people focus too much on the future rather than the present um and but and i think that is is, is super good but mendy yesterday i remember there was a, a chance where he had the ball and the good thing is mendy is brave so Mendy will try stuff. It just doesn't always come off. And I remember he obviously, like football we know, if the goalkeeper boots it down the other half, because it's most likely going to go to one of their players because naturally there's going to be more of their players in their half. Do you know what I'm saying? So a lot yeah. of the goalkeepers, you want them to take risk and you want them to keep possession rather than just surrendering the ball by kicking it up. 
But then there were some times when he was doing it and he just put our players under pressure. And it's just like, again, I'm, I'd have to watch more to kind of say, because I think Mendy does do some good things in terms of passing it out. But yeah, Kepa has shown like really good picks and passes and, and all of that type of stuff. So yeah, it is, it is interesting. The final thing I'll say in this goalkeeper thing, and I think this kind of counts for defenders as well, because I see it, I see it too often. And I know that Ruben Diaz came in the league and he won player of the season. They were like, oh, he's an amazing signing. I don't think Ruben Diaz is bad by any stretch, but I just feel like we do this. Thing where, yeah, we do. I just feel like, <laughs> like if, if I was to give you this analogy, right? And if you was to determine, if I told you to, Jay, go and tell me who the best cleaner in this hotel is, right? And the way that the hotel does it, right, is they've got certain cleaners that clean all of these rooms that get trashed by uni students. But then they've got certain cleaners that just clean these rooms that even barely gets used. You know what I'm saying? And so the, yeah. the, the cleaners that are cleaning the, the room that barely gets used, they just have to, they even dust in the chandeliers on the top because there's not much else to do. So they can go and polish and all of these little things. Now, the way that I see the football fans doing it, it's like they're going to inspect the rooms and they're like, okay, yeah, this room is mad clean. And if even if I wipe my finger on the chandelier, it's clean. Yeah, but that's because there's not much to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas the cleaners that are actually doing the mad work because actually they're the clean the rooms that are trashed. So when I see people rating defenders and goalkeepers, they'll be like, oh yeah, Alice is the best. Look, look at all these clean sheets and stuff like that. Yeah, but when Liverpool are controlling most of the games, do you know what I'm saying? And Van Dijk and all this type of stuff, they're controlling the games and attack is the first form of defence. And when an attack is working, usually teams have to drop deep. They can't, Jay, we've spoken about this before. Like when an attack is so good, that's a form of defence because team have, teams have to um, drop deep. And there's so many yeah. players that go into like a Man City, like a DM in Man City or a defender in Man City or a goalkeeper in Man City and everyone's like, oh, amazing. And it's like, they've got an easy job. They've got a much easier job. I've seen Saliba coming in. Everyone's like, oh, look at Saliba, Saliba. But right now, that's what I'm saying. I've, I've, meant, I've mentioned this so much about players, though, as well, like in general, like I've said, um, especially like when you're winning as well. But that's, yeah. a, that's another massive thing. Like, you know, like you, you, you always judge, like, you always judge things based off like the initial rep that they have. So, like, at, at the moment, City, they are, their initial rep is that they, the general reputation for City is that they were a top team, they yeah. win most matches. Yeah. You know, they're a really good side. They play really good football. Like, everything is good surrounding them at the moment. Yeah. So so often when you go to rate somebody from that team, yeah, it's very rarely negative. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Because because everything surrounding them at the moment is good. Positive. Yeah. So, so even if they're having bad, even if they're having bad performances or yeah. they've lost a few games and this player has been, the, been at fault for it, yeah, they, they, they still don't get the bad rep because uh, they want it 3-1 anyway. But you see now, for example, I don't want to I don't want to pick on him because he's having a torrid time at the moment. Yeah. But Liverpool are going through one of their worst patches. Yeah. One of their worst patches. And I always said, you'll find out how much people really rate players. Yeah. When they go through that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so and and we'll move on to Sterling because I think Sterling's a great point in this whole kind of whole conversation. But yeah. But like you, you see the Van Dyke and Allison, like they're defenders, and so in this time, they, this is where they should be shining the most. They're doing way more work. They're doing way more work. But let's move him back to Chelsea. Sterling is an interesting example because Sterling was at City, and I feel like coming to Chelsea, he scored yesterday. But the criticism that I've seen of Sterling at Chelsea compared to City, a whole nother level. 
because oh, didn't. As, a, as a winning team, like you said, that winning team protects you from a lot of the criticism. But I've seen before this game, just the Werner, all of this type of stuff, et cetera, et cetera. He scored today, but very quickly, um, you see how things turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, it's, it's I want to say, I don't want to say it's worrying so early, but there is a bit of it that is a bit worrying because to me, uh, you know, mentally, I think I, one thing that's good, I don't feel like Sterling's mentally oh, bothered by it. Yeah. Yeah, like he doesn't look bothered by it. But at the same time, like you don't know what's been told. Like I think, because I do think Potter said to him, like, I know this isn't ideally where, he's say? probably like mentioned to him, like, you know, it's not he's not your ideal position, but yeah. I need you to do a job here. Or, you know, I need you to do this for now, but yeah. let's just see how it goes or whatever. And Sterling's fine with that for now. But I think, um, even when he has been in 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 attacking situations, though, yeah, yeah, and this is to be fair to like everybody involved in the whole Sterling debate, the fans, the manager, you know, the player himself. I think even Sterling will admit like he's been in positions where he could have done a lot better. Like I've seen a lot of the times he's trying to take on a man and and like it just hasn't come off. And and I've seen people straight away go, ah, oh, he can't take on. Like it's because he can't take anybody on. That's not true because in the first three four games under Tuchel, he was whizzing past like two three players. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like he was doing it. So mm-hmm. it I think Sterling at the moment, again, the confidence thing, like when you're flying, you can do anything. Do you understand? Like everything's coming off, you, you're dancing through players, you're scoring like the, the finesse shots going top bins and not hitting the crossbar. Because he's had a few good moments as well where, where like balls come to him, he's shot and he's hit the crossbar. I think he's hit the crossbar like a couple of times in like yeah. the last few games. So it was good for him to get the goal. But I think he does need to be. In my in my opinion, he does obviously need to be closer to goal. I think he isn't one of them guys like Aliyah where there's loads of space mm-hmm. where you just see him blow into them spaces like and just leave two, three guys. I don't think that's the kind of quick Sterling is. He's really quick in tight spaces. He's he can beat two, three guys quickly to maybe get a shot. Yeah. So having him out wide, I think, is something that Potter obviously sees him being able to be good at, but maybe it's just not kind of panning out the way Potter thought it would. Do you understand? For me, Sterling's an interesting one because it feels like already people are talking about this guy. And don't forget, Sterling seems to be a bought for the left wing. People, always, yeah. <laughs> What we're talking about in terms of people not kind of being in the present, because like I, I didn't necessarily want Sterling here, but since he's here now, I'm the type just focused on, okay, this is the team. Yeah, now. Better, yeah. But uh, loads of people already like lay out in the future and stuff like that. Um, so that's that's one part of it. Um, second part of it, I agree with you in terms of mentality wise. He's very, like, he's got strong resolve. He's very resolute. Um, he knows how to shield himself from kind of external criticism. Not to say that he's impervious from it, but he kind of knows himself. And yeah, so that's good. Um, in terms of him being in a situation where he could do better, I just don't think that's new. Like, this is, mm. I don't think it's new. And I think what, I see it with so many different players. I see it with Jesus right now at, at Arsenal, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the luxury of players, like Mount, for instance, at Chelsea, where Mount can have loads of bad games and then he can have a little bit of good form, then bad games and then good form. If you constantly play, then you build up a portfolio of performances. And if you're constantly, if you're playing 38 games, then there's going to be enough of the good performances where people even forget the bad. And I think with Sterling... At Chelsea, now people are seeing up close, they're seeing a lot of the kind of stuff that goes wrong, that always went wrong at City, by the way. 
but they're seeing it up close and they don't like it. But I feel like if Sterling continues to play, continues to play regularly, at the end of the season, he'll finish up with 15 goals. And then people will be like, okay, good season. Because even if you if you think about it like this, everybody talks about Tammy being the last number nine to get decent goals for us. And don't forget, Tammy scored 15 goals in 25 games, regardless of the whole... He's when they were scored, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Now people use that as a positive, but at the time, people weren't rating it. And the reason why I say that is that it's always different when you look at the full body of work rather than when you're in the weeds of it and someone hasn't gone, like someone's gone four games without goal scoring and all of a sudden they're the worst player ever. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I feel like with Chelsea fans, what we need to be able to do is relax a bit because even like even a drug bar on the Costa, they didn't score every game. They didn't score every game. So why, I don't understand why everybody's... As soon as a player at Chelsea goes two, three games without goal scoring, everybody has a fit. Where who is that player for us that has always been scoring every, every single game? Drug might have had that like one season or whatever, but we haven't had that since... A, like, A, we haven't had it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just... Yeah. I feel like with Sterling, um, he is someone that will score. I think it's okay when these players go. And it's just beyond Chelsea it's even like with other players as well but it's okay if players go three or four games without goal scoring like Son will go 15 games without scoring but then he'll score a hat load it's the same with Salah it's the same with Kane do you know what I'm saying I just feel like I think the, thing, the thing is as well the, the thing is with us as well is like it always goes at the moment we can still go back to it because it is I think it is a very important factor but like Potter is still trying to get to know exactly where these guys are going to be most effective for him and, and how he's going to manage them. Because I don't think he's looking at it in isolation as well, just one player. He's trying to get the whole team as effective as he can. So that's going to result in him moving things around you. Like, you know, like when you move a certain like puzzle around or whatever, just to kind of see like what yeah, fits yeah. best with what, yeah. or you're, you're trying to rearrange a room or something and you're trying to see what fits where or... Yeah. Do you understand he's that? Doing That's the feng shui. What doing. He's doing the feng shui on Chelsea right now. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, this is what I'm saying. We have to respect what's going on. It's a new owner. So that's a new different direction. It's not just a new owner. It's a new board. It's, it's new, new everything, bro. It's a new manager. That's the managing. Like. Everything. And so, like, I know that Chelsea fans are so impatient, but you have to respect the situation. It's a new, it's a new everything. New style. It's a new style. Um, but what was I, what was I going to say again? Yes, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I missed that point, but it's a new style. I feel like um, we've talked about most players. I think let's just quickly wrap up on Kai because we talked about Oba a little bit and then we yeah. didn't have any of the general one. But I think with Kai, um, what I liked about Kai at the beginning of the matches, of the match against Dinamo Zagreb, is that he was playing it very simple. Yeah. It was one and two touch and it wasn't, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next. He just did what he thought he would do and he did it with conviction. Um, and I really like that because I don't think I've seen him do that for a while. But I, and I think he played well in that initial in that initial thing when he was just keeping it simple. And yeah. then there was one run where he was running on with the ball and he was running into space. And then I think he was looking who to pass it to and he was thinking again. And... There's certain players where it's like, when you're instinctive, you just play better. And I want Kai to get to that place where he's just not even thinking about stuff and he's just doing things nonchalantly like he was doing a couple of times. Did, keeping it simple. Did you, see, did, did you see the early cross that he did when he kind of like, it was so sudden that like it was um, yeah. kind of all turned and then he crossed it for Sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like pinpoint. 
yeah, and then there was another... yeah, and then yeah, and then at that point, people were even complaining. Um, and in the build up to that, it was, at the end when they saw that it went to Sterling, it was amazing. People were complaining, but again, I feel like there he just felt like he was he was in the moment rather than overthinking things. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was really yeah. He had like a couple moments of like really top top quality again, and and it, and uh, um, I messaged a couple of people and I'm saying like this is why you just don't kind of give up on a talent like I and like you you see it like when you see certain things you have to kind of just hang in there a little bit longer than other players like I know it sounds like favoritism but sometimes it's just how it goes like there's certain players they have this level of quality this level of, of ability that you kind of have to persist with it, even if it bites you on the ass like later on and, and you, you, you get it wrong you, you have to kind of for yourself for yourself sometimes you have to you have to just know that, you know, all right, cool, he's not it. Because for me, like, there's little things that I still see Kai doing. I'm like, you know what, this guy's just, too, he's, he's got too much quality because he, he, I think the ball got punched into him, yeah? Yeah. And it's and it's almost behind him and he's managed to backheel it. Not yeah. backheel it, but like flick it yeah. for a through ball. And because nobody's like, obviously on the wavelength or understand that, they probably didn't think it was possible for him to do that. But... Yeah. He's done it and it's been turned out to be a perfect through ball like for, for someone over the top. I think it was Ma- uh, Mace. Yeah. Um, and because only because he's not running, he hasn't managed to get onto it. But like even then, I'm just like, yeah, this guy is he's something else, but he just needs to get the consistency. So for, so for me, I think it's a difficult one just because that football is so different to where it was before. But I yeah, think I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I was gonna say, what I was gonna say is, um, there's there is this push, this kind of whole wonder kid push, and when when you spend seventy, hundred million on a player, everybody wants them to be amazing straight away, and like you don't look like a hundred million pound player and all that type of stuff. And I think we even see it with Jao Felix as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't this push back in the day for players to have everything sorted by 22, by 23, and their whole game to, to be together. And it's kind of what I just said in terms of with a season and waiting to the end of the season to judge the body performances if they've played regularly with a career. And people will remember, people will remember some, some of these players that had amazing careers, they won't remember the downtime. They won't remember that Thierry Henry didn't light up until he was 24 at Arsenal and that actually he'd been a wonder kid for ages but obviously 24 was when he was considered one of the best players in the world like when he came to Arsenal not even that 24 but that's when he came to Arsenal so let's remember like from 18 to 24 that's six years whereas right now in this day of age if you're 18 and everybody bigs you up if you don't have it together by 21 everyone's like you're a flop do you know what I'm saying And and I feel like there's just so much pressure for everything to be so perfect straight away. And it's like some, some players are going to be in a position where everything works out for them straight away. So they're at a, a club where maybe they're at the best team in the world and fix Kushti. And like we said, that kind of whole Man City environment where they're winning anyway and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but some players even learn from the hardship. Hardship can either make, make you grow or it can break you, right? Um, yeah. So with, with Kai, he's gone through hardship at Chelsea and it could, it could be something that's made him grow. And I don't know if Chelsea is the place where we're going to be able to see Kai at his best. And that's the only reason why I say that is because 
you need players behind you. Just thought that the way that the fans are all behind Mount, I don't think at this point they're all behind Kai. Um, yeah. And you, you need a degree of patience. And again, the, the degree of patience that the fans have with Mount where he can have loads of bad games and then some good games and everybody's happy. I don't think they have that with Kai. And so I just, at this point, I don't know if Kai is good for Chelsea or, you know, or vice versa. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, think, it's, yeah. it's a hard one as well because, like like you said about even Henri, like I, sometimes I always think, like, more recent, I always think of, like, Gnabry because, yeah. like, I just think, like, he he had it rough as well, like, yes. in terms of development. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, funny enough, in the Chelsea fan base were dying for him to come. Yeah. Like, I think it was this summer or last summer. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, so it's like you know you're prepared to want him back. Like they they talk about the club making mistakes and selling people young and buying them back and how stupid we look. But yeah. you guys are just as stupid sometimes because you're yeah, exactly. the same. They're the same guys. You run out of the club and then you're yeah. you're, on, you're on the bandwagon later on when they're playing for a Bayern or a Real Madrid. Yeah, and, exactly. and then so, that club that has been patient with them, they receive the rewards of. Of, of of what they, they actually turn into. Of getting um, the best years, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. and so so for me with Kai, um, I think, yeah, yesterday he had some good touches. Like, I'm not blind. I do see that it's rough. I remember, I can't remember what the game was. It was so rough. Nothing came off for him. And all that. <laughs> yeah. It's tough being a Kai fan at the moment. I'm not going to lie to you. But yeah, to be fair, look, <laughs> I, don't, I don't take I don't, all these fans. I don't, I look, as much as I listen to people, I can see where it's an emotional response. And, and like, yeah, and like all of a sudden, you know, he had one game where he scored and everybody loved him. Then the next game, we have to sell him, we have to sell him. And I get football's emotional. So I get that. Um, but it was so interesting how he was the play yesterday because, again, he was played, I don't necessarily think up front, but he was, I think what Potter wanted at that point is he just wanted someone to um, pressure the goalkeeper and do all of that kind of hurrying in the middle. That's why Mount, when Kai went off, Mount took up Kai's role, role, and yeah. now was pressuring the goalkeeper and stuff like that. So, um, and there was a good. There was, I think, was it Chilwell that crossed it in, and Kai got a header off. But I don't think he had that many opportunities to work the goalkeeper. But I don't necessarily think that was the role. I think that Ober and Sterling was supposed to get into the box whilst you know Kai was doing a lot of the busy work and stuff like that. But yeah. it was interesting. Dinamo Zagreb again. I don't know most of their players, but I would say that the fans were amazing. They lifted the team um, and I think um, again, and I think um, first half they they were encouraged they were encouraged they could get something out of the game um, obviously once we scored that goal it took the sting out of it and they had to come out and that kind of brought the space and I think just quickly touching on some of the players that came on I think Conor Gallagher showed some amazing I like his industry and I like his um, humbleness um, and again, he's got quality too. So he had moments of quality and I really liked his cameo. Broja, I love Broja. I love Broja because again, when I watch football and I've said it before, I don't want to see too many things. It's like, okay, yeah, I could see anyone do that. But I think with Broja, he's got a lot of audacity. So like three, four men will be around him and he will just hit the ball and he will know that he could just breeze past them. Um, yeah, he's so was, unpredictable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was that run that he had where at the end he lost steam. But boy, like he, he, I really like, I really like what Brozier brings to the table. Um, I think he's a long, I think he's actually like a long-term project for Potter. I think, I think he wants him to kind of learn a couple of things from maybe, you know, your Aubameyangs and even your Sterlings in terms of positioning in the box and stuff like that. And then where the kind of position he gets into, because I think 
with Broja at the moment, and uh, and understandably, when he comes on, he's trying to get involved a lot because obviously sometimes, you know, when you only get like 15, 20 minutes, you want to get on the ball as much as possible. You want to run at players. You want to show people what you can do. And so the the natural part of being a striker, I don't, I don't think you're always going to see it with Broja. Not only because of that as well. I think he's got so many elements to his game mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, he's young, he's hungry, he's energetic, he's fast, like ridiculously fast as well. Like I used to think he was just like, you know, nah. like quick, okay, quick. But like he's, he's blistering, bro. Like when he gets going, he's actually mad fast. So, so I think for now, I'm happy to see him like start. I'm happy to see him start games, but I'm also yeah, happy to see him come on for the, like we spoke about this, I think as well at the beginning, like, you know, yeah. in terms of like the five subs and how it would impact some of these players. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's benefiting from, from, uh, from having, having that rule in, in the game at the moment. But, but interestingly as well, he's, he's normally one of the, the first subs, first or second subs to come on. Yeah. So. But you know what? what I think with Brozier, like, you say he's benefiting, but he doesn't start much. And I think yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's so difficult to get like as a striker, you're going to be judged on goals. And it's so difficult for him to get these goals when he's not starting. 15, 20 so, minutes, yeah. And so when people say that, oh, at this point, I don't think he's going to be a long-term project. Maybe if he's starting games, he'll actually get the goals because his all-round game's been really good, better than most of our attackers. So yep. I, I, like we can't say that he's not a goal scorer because he's not scoring in these 10, 15 minute cameos all the time. I know? agree. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, yeah, so th- so there's that. But just in general, just the general things that I want to touch on before we close, and I think we've had a good one. As I knew it was going to be a good one anyway. But um, yeah, I think what I've mentioned is one of the themes is I see it so many times with Chelsea fans, like when they start hyping up the players that have left that they criticised when they was here at the time, um, whether it's, oh yeah, William's better than all of our wingers now. Um, do you know what I'm saying and, like, yeah. and it's like oh like we was having a, a discussion in a Chelsea chat and goes oh yeah, there's no one in the team that um, everybody in the team we sh- is basically there's no one that we have to keep everyone should is sellable and they said maybe apart from Reese James or whatever and I was like half of you guys were begging for Sterling and saying that Sterling was much better than all of our, our players and now everybody in the team is expendable including Sterling do you know what I'm saying and it's yeah. like and, 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 like, I just don't understand how <clears throat> continually, like, what happens is when players are at the club, we shit on them and we shit on them, we shit on them. But once they leave, we start seeing the positives. And before they come, amazing. But as soon as they're at this club, we will shit on them to pieces. Sterling right um, now. Yeah. Right. Um, go, on. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, I was saying Sterling right now is crazy. Everybody, like, you was touched on it before. They're calling in Deadwood already. He doesn't take on players and all that type of stuff. Um, it, and it, it, it's like, it's it's just so clear what happens at this club. Yeah, I think, and it's crazy to me as well. Like, like I see people like even trying to shit on Fafana, like, because yeah. he's had yeah. like a couple games, like a few games. And, and I just think, like with Fafana, yeah, especially, as, <laughs> so you, to say someone like him is sellable, like, for example, yeah, is... Yeah. Is absolutely bonkers to me. Yeah. Like, like Fafana, Kulabali, I'm sorry, they do not get anywhere near being sellable. Like, nowhere near. Do you know what? So, do you know what it is? And it's so funny because obviously Trevor had that stat. And one of the reasons why I hate when these stats get put up, because you know that as soon as the people popularize it, <laughs> but Trevor had that stat where he'd never lost uh, a game that a he game, yeah. And then we got slapped. <laughs> and he yeah. played, and he started. 
and I, I, I think Trevor doing well made a lot of people start thinking, oh, maybe Fawana, why do we buy him? Why do we buy him? But when it comes down to it, and, and again, I like, I think sometimes analysis can be, oh, I hate this player, but once they're at the club, I'm really trying to be objective. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think that of course. with, with um, Trevor, I think he's done amazing um, since he's come in. Yes, he might have like some flaws, like everybody has some flaws. But again, Fofana, like some like Fofana was out and they're like, why do we even buy him? And now it might swing to the point if Trevor goes through a bad form, that Trevor's dead again. You can't wait for Fofana to come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so like we have to get about uh, um away from that. But what is interesting, because I kind of alluded to it in the in the kind of the setup for the Salzburg game, but it does seem like Potter likes these kind of like aggressive roadrunner attackers or mm-hmm. even amidst that. So sometimes when you see, when I see Mount Gallagher and Kai as a attacking free, I'm like, that that could be a, mid, a midfield free. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and for me, what's interesting as well, I like, I think uh, with Sterling, Obar, Brozier, all of these like Pulisic, et cetera, um, and then also the fact that Mount, Kai, Gallagher, they're also attackers. I just feel like it's gonna be it's very messy up there, personally. And no, it is. I think that's why he keeps getting it like people keep saying, Oh, why is he playing these two at wing backs or or, yeah. or wingers and there's no cover for them and this and that. Look, like I think at the moment he's trying to find out yeah, trying what out. is most what is most effective yeah. up top. Because a lot of people are like Tuchel done a great job, yeah, when he come in making us defensively solid, right? Like, we were solid, we, our structure was good, we was we was aggressive defending, we, we so many clean sheets, we very rarely even conceded that corner. Yeah. But, like, I think with with Potter, what I've, what I've seen is I feel like he's working on an issue mm-hmm. that gets a lot of these guys out of their comfort zone. Mm. Do you understand? Like, they're not comfortable because a lot of the time before, I feel like with Tuchel's style, mm-hmm. not that not it's not easier to play. Mm-hmm. It's just as hard. But yeah. when you're doing something defensively, it's more about positioning and staying in shape, and you know, like uh, you know, pressing when you need to press and making the challenge and this and that. W- what Potter's asking them to do now is he's asking them to commit. Yeah. He's asking a lot of these guys to commit, and when they commit, there's a lot of space in behind. Hence the Brighton game. Yeah, do you understand? Hence the Aston Villa game, even, and we won that two 0 But yeah. With with the, with these games, what you're going to see is I think you're going to see a lot of lot of like these attackers being put in certain positions, and they're going to be given instructions where no matter who's behind you, no matter whether you feel you've got the support or not, yeah. you need to you need to go and do what I'm telling you to do because if you don't all do it, it's never going to work. I ask you a question: Was you disappointed with the Brighton game that the fact that it was against Brighton and Potter used to manage them? And no, because. Bro, it was the it was the malice. Do you know what's you know what's crazy? Everybody spent so long talking about how well Brighton knows how well Potter knows Brighton, but nobody spoke about the fact that the players know exactly how um, Potter plays. Yeah. So 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 they <laughs> Potter could have been like, oh yeah, I know they're gonna do this, but Lalana's in the changing room saying, oh listen, um, uh, March, you remember when he used to do this with Cucurella? You know he's yeah, gonna try yeah. to do that with Kulabali. Do you yeah. understand? So so they they probably goes both ways as well. It goes yeah. both ways. Yeah, right. they, they came into the game thinking exactly the same thing. So let me ask you this then. Salzburg, do you think that was our best game under uh, Potter in terms of... Uh, in, t- in terms of following instructions, yeah. Uh, I think I think the players 
and and there were two players as well that made that different as well, by the way. I think um, Aubameyang played that game and Jorginho played that game. Yeah. And I think they are key mm-hmm. to the way Potter wants to play. Reason being, I think Jorginho gives um, another element in terms of the angles that he gives the, his, cent- his centre-backs to play out from the back. Yeah. So what you saw with Thiago Silva when he, when he misplaced that pass, yes, we were trying to play quickly, yeah. but we weren't playing with the right angles. Kovacic and, and um, Loftus-Cheek don't give you the best angles when they drop deep. Because they don't really know how to play that role, and we and we say it over and over again why Jorginho is important. It's not just because, um, you know, like he makes interceptions or he tackles or like he 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 builds up play with his sideways passing, which people yeah. say quotation marks. But like, it's because he's intelligent and he's intelligent enough to know exactly where to be when his centre backs and his other teammates have the ball. Okay. So, so I think in terms of instructions, following instructions, formation, fluidity, I think yes, that was our oh, best yeah. game. What about just to watch? Do you think it was the best game as a Chelsea fan to watch? Um, I think so, yeah. I think I saw a lot of moves that I liked, like that I was really excited about. Uh, and, and then final, finally, and then thanks again, Jay. Uh, I might even listen to this one back. I don't always listen to them back, but yeah, this is a good one. So I'll probably listen to it back. But what do you think about Ruben off the Sheik in before? Because that game, to be fair, and this is not, not just on the Potter, but on Tuchel as well. Some of the times when you go back and look back a lot of the games where we've shipped three or four, Loftus-Cheek is in midfield. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at the same time, like we saw him, he came on for Zakaria and I think he did well in midfield as well. So do you feel like um, Loftus-Cheek in midfield is a potentially like weak link type thing? The problem with Loftus-Cheek, yeah, and you've, you've, you are, I think, one of the first ones to highlight this to me as yeah. well, yeah, in terms of the issues that he might face in his career in general when he plays in this position. Mm. Not necessarily when he plays in a, as an attacking midfielder and he doesn't have defensive responsibility. Yeah. But yeah. when when he does have some, some defensive responsibility, mm. we are going to suffer. But I don't even just think that's because of his ability. Do you know what I think it's mostly because of? Well. Sometimes he just he's just so content. Yeah. He just looks like he's so content with yeah. the level that he's playing at. And there's more that he can give. But him and himself, I don't feel like he... Like Tuchel mentioned it. He said, I don't want to tell him that he's played well. Yeah. But if I tell him that he's played well, he gives me like a, a five out of ten the next game. Yeah. When really and truly, he's meant to go from the seven to the nine. Yeah. yeah. But we have... That's, that's the biggest issue we have with Loftus-Cheek. We don't get enough of seven out of ten. Eight out of ten, nine out of ten. We get seven out of ten, eight out of ten, then a five or a four out of ten, then a seven out of eight out of ten, and then a five or a four out of ten. It's like, yeah, that's what we get with him sometimes. Uh, this season, not so much because I feel like he's actually. Been he's, I think it's been good this season. I'm, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in two minds about it. I feel like I've noticed the trend, but I don't want to make a lazy conclusion. Yes. So I want to review more matches, but I thought I'd ask you about that as well because I know that obviously. You, even though you're a Loftus Cheek fan, your objective as well. It's been a good one. I, I, th- I hope anyone, everyone listening agrees. Uh, Jay, always a pleasure. Um, we yeah, all, safe like we've, gone, we've gone a bit over the, the Chessie hour, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And we will hear, you will hear from us next week. All right, thanks, guys. All right.
chatter and ranting Doing the most True say that money is power So when you get money, keep fighting Ghost, ghost I remember when I shot my shot But I didn't have guap So I hit the post But next time it's a golden goal and- Sports Social Podcast Network